Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for being with me here again today. My name is Diego Ochoa, and I'm superintendent of the San Mateo Foster City School District, and I'm here with the One SMFC podcast. This is a program that we put together for our community that helps us understand what we're focusing on and gives us an opportunity to talk directly to our families and our stakeholders. We bring in educators, school administrators, teachers. We bring in community members and actually even sometimes students. So we're excited to be here with you. This is season three and a really, really awesome episode on the L3 or Live, Lead and Learn report. I'm here with two, actually three of my colleagues. I'm going to let them introduce themselves, starting with. Hello, everyone. My name is Dr. Christian Rubalcaba, and I'm the school uh, director of school leadership. Great to have you. And hello, I'm David Chambliss. I'm the assistant superintendent for education services. Hello, my name is Diego Perez, and I am the coordinator of communications and community services for the San Mateo Foster City School District. The most uh, popular Diego in the district, because there, you know, a lot of talk out there, Diego, about us having the same name. Um, and definitely, you send those district emails, and you're all over the place with our website. We have a new website. We're excited about, right? Yes, yes we do. Yeah, so we're excited to see that out there. Um, a lot of different programs going on, and and today's podcast is really about something that we're doing that's unique to the San Mateo Foster City School District. Um, And it's really in line with what we're trying to achieve as a school district in terms of how we communicate to our families and how we create a community-wide conversation. Um, And and it really brings together a different facet of the way that we align our work and and it helps us um, really show what we're thinking and show... um, the determinations that we make, and we connect it to our strategies. And and what the L3 report is ultimately going to be uh, when parents see it in a couple of weeks is an, the L3 report is basically combining the state's test scores, our internal test scores, our attendance reports, our enrollment reports. It's creating a warehouse, one place that a person can go to look up our data. And I think that's a very important strategy for us to use because we want families to be informed about how our schools are doing, because our schools are actually doing very well. David, you and I recorded a podcast the other day talking about the state's test scores. What's What does the marquee say in terms of our state test scores? Yeah, I mean, it says we have, uh, we have maintained uh, through this so-called learning loss that um, the state is experiencing, and our students have not experienced that same learning loss. And actually, we've seen gains in uh, important groups that um, that historically have not been as successful. So, so African American students, mm-hmm. English learner students, and students with special needs. Correct. Yeah, are doing better now than before the pandemic. Than they did three years ago. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's a that's huge. That's not that's not a small thing. That's yeah. a big thing. Is there more room to grow? Absolutely. I yeah, mean, the, the gaps, the, the equity needs, the gaps are still there. We've got a lot of work to do, but um, we're seeing some promise in those scores. Yeah, we're excited about that. And now that we have those state test scores, we have, in the last two months, we adopted a district-wide strategic plan. And um, Dr. Duvalcaba, we brought you over. You had been at Laurel and you had been at Abbott, and now you're the director of school leadership. Talk to us about your role as the director of school leadership and how it relates to the strategic plan and our most recent state test scores. Absolutely. So, <clears throat> as you mentioned, you know, I'm coming from Laurel and Abbott, um, having led 
both elementary and middle school uh, levels. My role as a director of school leadership um, will encompass school leadership, right? Supporting our site admin teams, um, you know, creating plans to, for a successful year that is equity focused and student centered. Um, I'm also leading the charge on the California uh, Community Schools Grant. Yeah. Um, that is some really exciting work focused on parent engagement, some deep parent engagement um, at our Title I schools. We actually district. we actually applied for the grant and got $200,000, right. right? That's going to go towards this program. Yeah, and it's exciting because, you know, um, I'll be able to dive into these five communities, which... It's uh, Park... Park, Sunny Bray, Lead, Laurel, and then Fiesta Gardens, which is likely moving to moving. North Central San Mateo in two years. Yeah, right. So we'll be able to, you know, gather up families, you know, really have this deep engagement with and to identify needs of the community, identify strengths too, right? And strengths, yes. Right, because yes. when you think about yeah. those communities, that they they have strengths. They bring a lot of richness, a lot of culture, they a have lot strengths. of strengths, you know, and. And, you know, bringing their voices is really a, a process of uplifting their voices um, and including them as part of the decision-making process. Yes, that's what I love about the, mm-hmm. the work that you're going to do. And when you're out coaching and mentoring these principals, you're not – it's not 21 different plans out there, right? right? It's one plan. One unified plan. Yeah, it's the district strategic plan. And now you have state test scores that you're able to yeah. line up next to it, right? Correct, yeah. Yeah, and David, in your work in Ed Services – it's it's sort of cyclical. You have the beginning of the school year. You're doing a lot of professional development right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're getting state test scores in, but they relate to what we did last year. We're actually prepping to get our newest reading scores probably in five weeks, right? We'll have our newest batch of reading scores that are internal reading scores. Yeah, that's correct. Uh-huh. And you have it's sort of it's it's like a band with a lot of players. You have a lot of people sitting at the table. And what the L3 report tries to do is it tries to take what I just described with the two of you, the parent engagement, the school mentorship, the professional development, the test score analysis, and it tries to actually put it into one report to say how are students living, leading, and learning in the San Mateo Foster City School District, and that's the significance of the L3 report. We we feel really good about the determinations that we made because we basically spent all summer analyzing our test scores and analyzing our programs and connecting it to the strategic plan that we just created for the district. And we found what we believe to be four root causes of the gaps that exist in our state test scores. And David, yours is root cause number one, and that's early literacy. What we found was our need to improve early literacy starting at that preschool level is a huge priority. So talk about the work that your team is doing related to early literacy. Yeah, it's um, literally the first action in the first uh, goal area of the strategic plan, which is to um, implement some new um, curriculum and instructional approaches that will focus on the foundational skills of our students, particularly in Um, kindergarten through second grade. Um, What we know is that if students are really not reading at grade level by third grade, that that gap 
persists and actually widens as they go through um, the years of instruction. And so it's very important that we see that those early years need to be our focus and uh, prepare a curriculum that will uh, attack those um, needs around phonemic awareness and, and phonics. And you, you actually have a new curriculum going into this year. That's correct. It's a program called PAF. Uh, we just spent... Uh, we had approximately 100 teachers getting trained over the summer in preparation for delivering it uh, this fall. And um, it will fold into and be part of our broader um, language and literacy curriculum. And uh, we're really excited that it's going gonna, it's gonna to rapidly address the, um, you know, basically some holes that we're seeing in our students' literacy development. When a student starts kindergarten and they can't name their letters and they can't identify the sounds that, that letters make, and then at the end of kindergarten, they should start the process of being able to read words on a page and read, you know, simple, um, simple books. And what we find is that actually when they finish kindergarten and if they still can't identify those letter sounds and it has the effect of the following year, they don't make hardly any progress. Also. That's right. Yeah. So it's like what you described. They don't they're not one year behind. They go from being one year behind to being two years behind to being two and a half years behind. And mm -hmm. as you said, it gets bigger year mm -hmm. after year. Mm -hmm. um, I like to explain it as when they're in kinder and first and second grade, they're learning to read. And then when they get to third grade and beyond, they're reading to learn. Mm -hmm. So when we give them a third grade science lesson, if they can't read at third grade level, they're gonna have a really hard time with science. And what we found in the L3 report was that when students got to third grade and couldn't read at grade level, it actually hurt their math test scores. Right. Yeah, I think one thing that's great about the report is uh, providing examples of the kinds of math um, questions, tasks that um, students are asked to do in our state testing and, and other, and, and realizing there is a, cr a tremendous amount of reading that goes on in, in doing those math problems. And so... Um, you know, the report shows that if you are uh, high performing in English language arts, it predicts high performance in math. And if you are low performing, it will predict low performance in, in math. Um, so the need to address foundational literacy to um, also accelerate math scores is uh, really essential. And we have a lot of time because these kids start in kinder. But one of the other areas of focus at, and root cause that we found was we have limited access to preschool for income qualifying students. So I want to paint a picture for families. If you qualify according to the income guidelines, which is about $75,000 for a household of three, and you apply to our California State Preschool, you'll likely qualify to get free preschool for your child. And uh, one of the disappointing things is that leading into this year, we just don't have enough seats and we don't have enough time for kids. So the income qualifying students um, have less access to a full day program and they have more seats in the part day program, which is three and a half hours. And a lot of our working families can't get their child to the preschool and then come pick them up and take them somewhere else. So a lot of families don't access it because we don't have enough full day or full time programs. Now, ironically, in our fee based program, because we have two different components of our preschool, we have the income qualifying uh, preschool program, and we call that the CSPP or California State Preschool Program. And we serve about 125 to 150 kids in that program. 
And then we have a fee-based program that serves about 140. And the access to full day in the fee-based program is the reverse of the um, income qualifying program. So it sort of doesn't make sense that you would have children who have economic need and they have a half-day program. And then you have children whose families are able to pay you know, hundreds of dollars a month for preschool, and they have access to a full-day program. So we're looking at access to preschool as the next thing that we want to fix because what we found, and believe, I mean, this really just floored us, was we said, all right, let's look at the test scores, the reading test scores of kids who come from economically um, disadvantaged um, households and say, okay, if they don't get into preschool, how many of those students are reading at grade level? So we actually went back four years to 2018-19, pulled the roster of kids who were in preschool in 2018-19, so they would have been three and four. So now they're, so a couple years down the road, they're now six and seven and eight years old, and we looked up their reading test scores, and here's the thing. If you were um, income qualifying and did not go to the California State Preschool, so you could have been in there, but we just didn't have a seat for you. Only 10% of those students are reading at grade level four years later. That is telling us right off the bat. Now, we checked to see what happened if they got into the California State Preschool. 60% were reading at grade level if they had access. So I don't, this isn't rocket science, folks. What should we do? We need to create more spaces. Yep. We need to open up preschool classrooms. We need to invest in early childhood education because I think there's something very powerful about the way that early childhood education addresses the social-emotional needs of kids, gets them playing with each other. We're able to find out if a child has a reading disability or a speech uh, deficit. We're able to connect with parents and do uh, parent involvement activities. Um, we're able to put books in kids' hands and get them talking and listening and speaking. And it's just a really powerful program. We know that those seats and those uh, preschool classrooms are too few right now. And we're starting to get the ball rolling and opening up some new classrooms. It does take time, so this wouldn't take place until the 23-24 school year. But we basically have a big um, circle on our calendar for opening up another 100 seats or more for next school year in our preschool program. We feel, we feel really good about mm -hmm. that. The third root cause that we found is about how we respond to and intervene when kids aren't learning. So what we wanted to be able to um, create a connection with was how we reacted when kids were not scoring well on state tests and when they weren't scoring well on internal tests. So David, last fall, we tried a new program. It was called Math Boost. We got, if you recall, you and I had some work in the summer. I said, hey, I want to create one district-wide tutoring program. I want our district office staff to run it. I want us to create it. You were a principal last year, uh, Dr. Welcava, so you didn't create it, or, but you experienced it mm -hmm. because we, we sort of teed it up for schools. So, David, talk about the, the thinking behind the Math Boost and how it actually turned out. Sure. Well, the... The idea is pretty straightforward that we use the immediate assessments um, that we offer, our local assessments, to um, identify students who are, uh, in this case, were not um, succeeding in mathematics. And, um, you know, 
I contact their families, talk about the importance of getting some extra time with them after school. Um, centrally, we developed a curriculum that we then brought to the teachers who were willing to work extra time and, and spend uh, several more hours a week working with students and um, investing that and bringing students in and um, over a you know 12 week period having students get that additional math support um, and you know assessing when they're coming in assessing on the back end and realizing that um, very importantly that um, their math skills um, improve but uh, perhaps um, equally as important is that their attitudes about themselves as math students um, dramatically improve their level of confidence and their sense of I can do math also um, improved. And you have a math intervention program that we use in the home. It's called ST Math. Talk a little bit about why we picked ST Math and, and what ST Math does for a student. Sure. Um, so it's a computer based program. And uh, the beauty of ST Math is it focuses students on, on their conceptual understanding. In other words, not the you know, sort of like the math worksheet of, you know. Um, it's not like answer these questions and turn it into somebody. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's asking students to engage in games with very playful characters that builds their conceptual understanding. And importantly, it's, um, it, it, it does not rely heavily on, on language, on narration or, or reading and things like that, which means uh, it's very supportive of students who are, are English learners. They can access the content build their conceptual understanding, and not trip as much over the, the language um, needs that they may have. And what we want to see this year is we want to see the district-wide numbers of kids using these programs go way up. That's Because correct. that's something we didn't see last year. So that's how it, it relates to this idea of systemic interventions. Mm -hmm. We need every single student who's not performing at or above grade level in math to be spending 90 minutes a week on ST math. Mm -hmm. That's systemic interventions. You can't achieve the goals we're trying to achieve if children who aren't at grade level are not pushing themselves in the home, not at school. Right. At school, we have our own plan. We're really deep into the math instruction. Our data is telling us it's working. But we're not satisfied with simply making incremental gains as a big district, we're actually looking at individual kids who aren't at grade level and saying, we have a program for you. That's systemic mm -hmm. intervention. And that, that's the, the, the third root cause that we found was our, the need for us to invest in systemic interventions. On the reading side, it's footsteps to brilliance. On the math side, it's ST math. But we also want to create a robust summer school program. We want to connect it to our boost programs. Because if you're not reading at the end of second grade, I want you in the after school boost. I want you doing ST math and footsteps of brilliance. And I want you in summer school. I don't want you to pick and choose which of those things you're going to do. Because our data tells us if you invest in those programs, you'll get back and approach that grade level, which is so essential for your work. Dr. Welcava, one of your big tasks this year is this, this community schools grant. Talk about the work and the importance of getting out there with families, especially at those five schools, Laurel, Lead, Park, Sunny Bray, and Fiesta Gardens. Absolutely. So one of the key features of this parent engagement at these schools um, will be to connect the families to our strategic plan, right? Uh, to give them the tools, um, the information, 
and the skill set that we know they have uh, and really bring it together. It can be like coaching too, It's right? like coaching, yeah. yeah. Because if you have a parent <clears throat> and they don't understand what the PATH program is all about, our right. new reading program, right. let's teach them. Exactly. And, that, and it's coming from that place where we, we basically believe that every family wants to be involved. And your program is about getting into those actual school libraries exactly. and those school multi-purpose rooms and getting together with families. Exactly, yeah. And aligning it to what you said, yeah. giving them the tool right. within that strategic plan. So let me just quarterback this for you all. So we have these four new employees yeah. at the district office. They're community service specialists. If I give them a warehouse of data that tells them these are the students who we want to make deep connections with their families, these are their reading scores. This is how many days of school they missed. This is how they did in their report cards. This is the parent's name, email, text, so on and so forth. Build a relationship with this parent because, again, what do we want? We want them showing up to school. We want them participating in ST Math and Footsteps of Brilliance at home. We want them in summer school. We want them in Boost. And we want them to have a trusted person that they can connect with who it's kind of like guiding or coaching the whole way through. Right. And if we do this in kindergarten, think right. of the skills that they get from that very authentic family engagement. And that's right. part of what you're starting to build right. through this community schools yeah. program. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Folks, we're going to get back over the course of the year, bring our newest data in, judge it against the data we had from six months ago, because what we've shown, even just in this brief time, using this data-driven process, is that when you have a body of strategies that are focused on achieving specific results and you tie it to the strategic actions you have, saying, we think this new reading program is going to create more readers. Let's check. This, this isn't about trying something different. This is about having the research and the strategy behind putting something in place, and then monitoring how it's going. And I think that's, that's sort of the nice and fresh thing about this process. And at the same time, we can do all this work, but we need a vehicle to communicate this. And our, our coordinator of communications is with us. Um, part of what he's doing in his role is really working hand-in-hand -hand with me as a superintendent to come up with strategies to communicate this information. So, Diego, talk to the families a little bit about our layered communication strategies and how that relates to the L3 report. Yeah, so the uh, this year we're trying a new uh, communications approach to ensure that we're meeting families where they're at. So this podcast is a vehicle of communication. So you're on the way to school dropping off your kiddos, you can pop this in the car and definitely get up to speed with what the L3 is if you don't have a moment to definitely read the document that would be posted on the new website. Because it's going to be like a 60-page document. It's going to be a so long-page document. So you can read document. 60 pages or you can listen <laughs> for 16 minutes. Yeah, I, exactly. And um, making sure that each you know parent and community member that wants to invest time in, in, in learning about what the district is doing to make sure our, our students are meeting and exceeding those standards is, is paramount. And we have a special study session in September mm -hmm. to really focus on this L3 exactly. report. And then after that special study session happens, explain the process mm -hmm. that you're building with the YouTube and with the board community workshop and the Cafe con Diego. Explain that layered strategy. Mm -hmm. 
So it starts in the beginning of the month with a special board uh, study session. Um, each month we'll have a different topic. And then from there, we'll take that same topic and bring it to a board community workshop. So the community members and, um, of course, which school site hosts us would then invite their families, we'll, you know, district-wide communications to bring them on and have a dialogue with two board members and the superintendent and uh, corresponding leaders to this topic. From then, then we'll have a podcast, same thing, make sure that we revisit the topic and have that communications in that method. And then during that same month, we'll have various social media posts that encapsulate maybe a quick blurb, um, data brief overview of what it is. And then, of course, has some cafe con Diego and, uh, you know, tie it and back there's in. there's actual coffee at these events. It's yes, not we have just, coffee. It's not just branding. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's an actual coffee, uh, Cafe con Diego. So we'll have a coffee for families there and, and treats for you to enjoy and, um, and have a conversation with you. So in one month, you're going to have a special board study session. Mm -hmm. That's at 530. It's always on a Thursday. Mm -hmm. You're going to have a board community workshop. Those dates rotate depending on mm -hmm. site availability, but they're evening meetings. Yep. That same month, you're going to have a Café con Diego. Those things are in the morning. Yes. We go out to schools. We invite parents in. Mm -hmm. That same month, you're going to have a YouTube town hall yes. live. That tends to be on a Tuesday or Wednesday, mm -hmm. always in the evenings. So in one month, we're using five or six different vehicles in addition to the newsletter, the district website, and the email system with your new toy, Parent Square. <laughs> yes. Talk to the families for a minute about Parent Square. So Parent Square is a new tool that we've implemented this school year. And uh, right now we're in the process of still making sure that parents are able to utilize the app. The really nice thing that I have seen during our initial phase of engagements with families to set them up with the app is that a lot of them also go to the San Mateo Union High School District. So they are able to see their ninth grade kid and their first grade at uh, Fiesta Garden. So Having them open their eyes and speak and say, oh, I can get both communications in one platform. And I said, yes, that's the reason. we got to tie it all back together. We're countywide and, um, you know, bridging the gap and making sure that we really tie this back to the building block, one of the strategic plan, which is parent and community engagements. Yeah, and, and that's, that's the perfect way to wrap this all up. The L3 report is about bringing people together and starting that conversation. It's about telling our story explaining why we think things are happening and then laying out for the families how we're going to fix those problems and how we're going to move this district forward. We're excited for the work. We're excited for the 22-23 school year. And I just want to thank you all for being on the One SMFC podcast. Thank you.